this episode of the Trophy Dash Podcast, I speak to Luke Tormellon from Delta Tau Delta. Luke shares how he came to IU with a dream of riding for Delta Tau Delta and how he met the coaches and mentors along the way that taught him all about Little 500. Ultimately, his belief in himself and his teammates helped him win the 2016 Little 500. Thanks for your time, Luke. It's a wonderful talk. You share some great lessons. Thank you. White flag in the air. It's a three-man race. Here they come around. Three wide. One lap to go. BKB on the outside. Final lap of the 2016 Little 500 SAE on the inside. Delt on the outside. BKB takes the lead into turn number two with the white jerseys. They were winners in 2014. Can they win it this year? Delt coming around on the outside. Luke Tormellon takes a two-bike advantage as they head towards turn number three. SAE on the outside. Tormellon with the lead. Here they come. Luke Tormellon around the final turn. Can they catch him? They cannot. It's going to be Delta. Todd Delta. The winners of the 2016 Mids Little 500. Luke Tormellon, the senior out of Seymour, Indiana, takes the victory. All right, Luke. Yeah. Dude, we're in person. Uh, it's It's been a while since I've done a podcast in person, so it's actually a little bit uh, strange to be looking at you and yeah. to get that feedback. But thanks for your time. Uh, you know, it's the middle of April. It's a beautiful night. Pit selection night. We just did pit selection, yeah. yeah. Jeb Black's first, Cutter's second. Yeah. We're across the track from each other. As far as I know, it's our first poll for the program. Wow. I might be wrong. As far as I know, it's our first second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for real. I don't think we've ever called second. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for taking the time. I know it's late at night. So yeah. Uh, we all have to work tomorrow. But um, tell me about... Uh, how? What was your, what was your high, what was high school like? Like, what kind of were you an athlete in school? Yeah, were you an athlete? I played a lot of sports in middle school, and then kind of narrowed it down to basketball and running uh, in high school. Basketball was and probably still is my true love. Um, and then I was a little bit better at running at the time. I kind of grew into college, so basketball. I had to learn how to be crafty, but I was never as tall as I probably should have been to get some playing time. So then I just went into running. So uh, track, cross country, my junior and senior years. So So you you loved basketball, but you had to to settle for running? I I wouldn't say I settled for running. There were some, I mean, with every team dynamic, there was a little bit more, but I was a lot closer um, with the cross country culture and how hard they worked, so. What about that culture that drew you in? Um, So, that was, I mean, it was an ultimate goal for four years, so it was pretty comparable to Little Five when I first went, and it was trying to get to the state meet as a team. Mm. And I was like a role runner. Like, I wasn't the the number one. Um, I was usually a three or four. When my brother got to high school, he started beating me pretty quickly, so <laughs> that was pretty humbling. <laughs> um, but, what, yeah. What high school? Uh, Seymour High School. Seymour, okay. So we got to state in like when I was in middle school, and that was the goal. Um, since then, uh, to get to state, and then we finally did our, our senior year. So that was like one of the first times I saw an ultimate goal after adolescence like come to fruition. So, mm-hmm. were you good at running when you first started? Um, I mean, 
yeah, I was adequate. I was above average, but nothing like D1 material or anything like that. Okay. I liked putting in miles, and I was good at working hard. So that was one of the things. <laughs> you mentioned the team culture, the team vibe. Yeah. Like, what was, how was that different than basketball, and what about that? So cross-country runners in general, if you know any of them, they're a little quirky. Um, they don't mm-hmm. take themselves too seriously. Yeah. I ran cross-country in high school, so yeah. I loved it. So, I mean, I just loved the camaraderie. We hung out every day. It wasn't forced hanging out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't any type of bonding that we had to, like, kind of force. But then with basketball, just I came from Seymour, and at that time the culture of basketball was a little bit lazier than I wanted it to be. Um, in retrospect, it's one of my biggest regrets was not continuing to play basketball my junior and senior year. But yeah. you had this, you had the talent to continue yeah, playing. Yeah, I did. Um, I was going to get some minutes, but um, we weren't very good. And then I wanted to go full on into running. I wanted to have a better track season, but ironically, my junior year track season, I got hurt in the winter playing basketball. Oh. Uh, so. <laughs> Just pick up, so. And then when did IU come into picture? Uh, how, why IU? Was college always on your radar? Yeah, I'd say about kindergarten. So okay. <laughs> my dad always, uh, like, he went to IU. I was an IU fan. My brother was a Purdue fan. Um, so I kind of knew I was going to IU probably, yeah, kindergarten. So then business just happened to be a pretty good business school. I kind of fell into that. And then IU football was what I grew up on, like I, that. Which, that's a tough thing to get bored into, but now it's kind of fun. <laughs> and did you stick with business? I did. Yeah, yeah. management and entrepreneurship. And did you? When did you first hear about Little Five Hundred? Um, I would say middle school when I watched Breaking oh. Away. Okay. Um, I was around Bloomington's campus like all the time growing up because I was only an hour away. Okay. And then I found out my freshman year that Delt had won, and my dad was a Delt, so I was like, that's interesting. That's, uh, or that's, that's, not my freshman year, my senior year of high school. 2012. Yes, yeah. yeah. And then I remember vaguely watching like on TV at my uh, dorm the race for 2013, but not okay. paying too much attention to it. And when did, uh, so your freshman year, you watch, you listened to the race? You, you what did you say? You watched it or listened to it? Uh, I watched part of it just to kind of check in on Delts because I knew that they were a pretty good team. Um, How, why Delts? Uh, so my dad was a Delt from 69 to 72. Okay. And uh, that's, I mean, I just heard stories and like mm-hmm. from when he was in school and he was kind of shocked when he found out Delts won in 2012 because he's like, we were always not great when mm-hmm. he was there obviously it was a long time ago um so i just had that in the back of my mind and so you planned on rushing the house yeah i actually rushed my freshman year not the bike team just walked in but i had no business rushing or fraternity coming from seymour indiana wearing <laughs> what i was wearing and uh I spilled my beer, I remember the first day, like, I, it was just an awkward scenario, and then sophomore year, rushed the bike team, and then um, it was a little bit better rush process with the bike team and the house, and then it ended up working out, so. So you really wanted to be a Delt. Yeah, Maybe I was more saying, than they wanted you at first. I was either going to be a Delt or um, an Independent, and mm-hmm. then 
I I don't even know if I would have gotten in the race. Hopefully, I would have if I wasn't a Delt, but mm-hmm. yeah. And when did you, did you have a bicycle in? When did, when did bikes, when did you start riding bikes? Uh, I grew up, my dad rode bikes, but he didn't ride competitively. I would always do the, like, the ride to recycles or the round barn rides. Mm-hmm. He would do Hilly 100, he would do Rain and Ragbri, and I remember the longest bike ride I'd done was like 70 miles, but I was going like 14 miles an hour or whatever in middle school. Um, the but da- the dad tried to get you out on these long rides? Uh, he would, my favorite was when he would ride his bike next to me while I was running. So that was a lot of, like when we were training in the summer, he would go out and then before we even had GPS, he would measure the mileage with his car. We would go into his car afterwards sometimes. So to see how much I ran. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so then you, when do you rush your sophomore year? Sophomore year, Warren Clayton was on the team and he saw me at Dunmeadow and he was like, I think he like looked at my, it was my calves, and he's like, hey, have you biked before? And that was pretty much it, so oh. <laughs> it was funny. So he, he got you into the He house. got me into a one triad, like a bike ride, and then once you get to the bike rides, you rush the house too, and then okay. um, it ended up being a good fit, so. You said rush the bike team. Is that a common thing for fraternities? or? No, I mean, it's, it's half and half. I mean, uh I mean, you had Hans on here, too, and I know he was talking a little bit about that. With Delts, um, you had to be, I mean, it had to be a mutual fit for the bike team and the house, um, Mm -hmm. but there were bike-reserved bids, so, yeah. Did you fit in the house? Yeah, I would say I lived in my senior year, and then I was the live-in advisor um, after after college, so for a year. Okay. But, yeah, it was a... I didn't fit all of the culture, but I got, <laughs> I was around, and then, yeah. um, I mean, they knew me as Luke the biker, so, yeah. So, the your first year on the bike team is 2013, is that right? Uh, 2014. 14, okay. Yep. Uh, so, you, you're a sophomore, or you're a junior then? A uh, sophomore. Sophomore. And what was that like for you, picking up the bike, starting to ride with the team, it was fun. Um, I remember back pain. Like, luckily, I'd run quite a bit that summer. Um, it was a better summer than the previous summer. But I remember back pain being a thing. I remember going on a 40-mile ride. I remember going up Bolting House on flat pedals. And I remember a few other... Oh, I remember a 255 ITT. Mm. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And you'd just been riding a bike probably for a couple months. Yeah, I mean... Training? Yeah, maybe it had to have been a month, right? Yeah, right. After Which, 255 in retrospect, I'm like, wow, how did I not go faster than that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that 2014 race, were you on the bike team? I was. So it was, So you got on there pretty quick? Yeah, was, I had a better... Uh, I mean, one thing is just to be consistent. So I had a pretty good spring. Um, I started bracing a little bit in the spring for the first time. And then it just came down to me and the guy that recruited me. So mm-hmm. it was a battle for fourth, and I I won it. So that was fun. But I was I was in my role because it was very comparable to cross country. Like I wasn't the guy, but I knew that I could do my job. If that makes sense. So uh, so race day. I think you guys were pitted right next to the cutters, or maybe one close to the cutters. We were turn three. Turn three. Yep. Yeah. 
and of course Paul Smith's your guy. Yeah, and he was hurt. And he was well, he supposedly hurt. Supposedly hurt. <laughs> well, there was all these stories going around yeah. about how he torn all of his. So he ACOs. couldn't. Uh, he actually couldn't run the bike up to speed. So that was actually a thing. He had to do a standing start because mm-hmm. of um, how that actually played out. So you could go back and watch that race. Day. I know, but <laughs> Courtney's saying yeah, every day he's getting an MRI and injections yeah. in his knee. And Honestly, really I that. heard in retrospect that they kept a lot of that for me because they didn't want to get mm-hmm. me a. Uh, riled up i was like what do you like they thought i was going to be like nervous that he wasn't going to be all right so but (laughs) it was funny he was definitely in pain i know that but so what was that first race like for you like walking into the arena all those people there yeah beautiful day Uh, the send-off was fun i remember that i remember i remember my first lap um because on the front stretch so we put it on the back stretch uh i got it handed to me without a gap, so I had to bridge first lap, which mm. was interesting. And there was a guy, I don't know what team, walking across the field with a bike and not looking. And I said some choice words to him because I was like, and I was like, welcome to Little Five, Luke. This is it. You're about to run over a kid. But luckily, we missed by like, I have a picture of it, like six inches. Mm. And then <laughs> ended up going pretty well. I remember riding out Rob Lee's burn, and it was like my welcome to Little Five moment. I <laughs> so got a pretty gap in. I got a pretty big gap from riding Rob Lee all the way mm-hmm. to wherever he was pitted, so that was fun. What what sort of things did you have to really learn? You know, bridging the gap from runner to a Little Five rider. What skills? Techniques? Yeah, I remember a few. Um, one was the the first one was, and I knocked it out pretty quickly because I knew I knew I wasn't going to leave the track knowing how to hop on the bike during rookie week mm. I remember picking some random riders council guy and I was like just please help me through this because this is the difference between me and whoever's the fifth on the team if yeah. I can get to jump on the bike um, but just racing uh, collegiately that year helped with the pack riding but I was definitely very nervous about pack riding and mm. when to soft pedal and when not to break and just being a little fidgety but um race day i felt there weren't too many nerves so who was teaching you that stuff like, who was holding your hand and teaching you those unique skills yeah so paul smith anthony vicino and luke mopper were our, my teammates i remember anthony telling me he's like we're gonna he's i mean every year you expect to win so he's going we're gonna win this uh one it's your job not to lose it <laughs> and i was like, <laughs> I was like all right um, but they kind of taught me, I mean, we watched a lot of race tape, but they taught me how to pack ride and how to yeah. be comfortable in the pack and team pursuit helped with that too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, of course the race ends in that last lap crash. Yeah. Blackie like Bulls going to win solo. Uh, it's Paul's last race. Yeah. Like the, it's, there's a heavy vibe after that. Right? A lot of teams are left that leave the track wondering what if. Yeah. And really disappointed. And honestly, I felt especially hurt for Paul, mm-hmm. but with like that race, it was my first race and I was like, kind of like, I don't deserve this. Like, I don't deserve to be on a team that has a chance to win the little 500 when I just picked this up in October, I guess is what I thought about that. You're feeling like an imposter? Almost like, yeah. how did I just land on to this race day team that just won two years previously? That's what, and it was just like, here I am. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Serendipity. Yeah. So after that first race, uh, what's the summer look like for you? Uh, so I 
I had an internship. It was like 40 hours a week uh, at a pharmaceutical company, and that was my first year doing that. I didn't run... uh, Sorry, we had a little podcast thing. But, (laughs) yeah, I didn't um, race too much that year. I remember maybe doing one or two races, but then the hours on the bike, I... I was probably around 10 hours a week on the bike in the summer. Um, Are you on campus or are you back at home? I'm back at home. So in Seymour, it's pretty flat. Mm-hmm. I searched for hill, hills. Um, I hadn't discovered KOMs yet, so <laughs> that was the next summer after that. So, but. but you don't have your team either. It's really hard without that team. Yeah, and they check in. Um, we kind of check in and say where our base mileage is at. Um, we're prescribed certain, like, it's mainly just hours in the saddle for us in the summer mm-hmm. at that point, at that year at least. So, yeah. so coming in 2015, um, the team is more, uh, you, know, you lose Paul, but you guys still have a lot of experience. Yeah. It's still a pretty good team. Yeah. Uh, you're probably feeling like you're going to win again. Like you, like you said, you, have, you go in every year thinking you're going to win. Right. right. So what's, uh, what's different about that team than the year before? How's the team dynamics changing? I mean, on paper, that might be our our best year of when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, I finished fifth in ITTs that year. Vecino finished ninth. Mopper finished 20th. We were every bit as good as anybody as a, like a top three for a team pursuit. We finished second in team pursuit. BKB had that one and three. They mm-hmm. fin- their BKB mm-hmm. two team, they right. finished third that year. Um, and then Max Nelson was our fourth rider that year, and he rode a pretty good race. Uh, but we were, I mean, set for the race, and then... The race goes pretty smoothly? There's, you guys don't have any... Yeah, you know, it was a really weird race individually for me, because we had that one breakaway. I think it was SAE in the middle of the race, and mm-hmm. some people forget about that, I think. But I was tasked with being on the bike at one of those times and I remember looking to somebody and be like let's go and I didn't understand how to bridge with a team at that point because I I popped and I realized my pop and then I was out in the middle of the gap and I burned without a gap and then we made up for it but I remember that happening and then the breakaway and yeah then Delta breaks away late in the race were you guys is that a plan going into the race like you guys thinking we're gonna this is our best chance of winning yeah, with each team, there's a different plan, and then there's different scenarios, and you got to be ready for every scenario. It was coming off of a caution, I think, and mm. then Max Nelson, our four rider, um, he got a pretty good gap, and we went into plus one. You guys were smoking. And then I got on the bike, and then the fastest lap of the race was that lap, and that's what I remember going into my senior year. I was like, mm. um, I think it was a 31. And, and, IT, or, and then there's a four-lap ITT, and I learned a lot about that race. <laughs> um, <laughs> I ended up bonking, too. I had, like, a 45-second lap. Stayed out maybe one lap too long? Not on that first set, because okay. we had that, uh, I think we half-lap advantage there, and then um, Momper or Vecino got on after that, and they did um, four or five-lap set, and then Max hit a two-lap set, which I wish that would have been a three, and then I had a two-lap set, and I realized I needed to come out, and when I was coming out, uh, which a two-lap set is just ridiculous. You shouldn't be doing that anyway because you're losing gap regardless, but Mm. the bike wasn't ready, and I had, 
it's so hard to go in for a second time trial when I started the first one. So yeah, and I felt bad for the team. Like the only guy that really didn't have a regret that race, I think, is Max. I mean, Vecino mm-hmm. thought he could could have gone longer instead of a little longer and slower because the gap was there. And then Luke and I, I mean, we both had our um, both had our areas of opportunity, I guess. So. Uh, so you don't win. I don't even remember what place you get, but it's sixth, sixth. in the sprint. Yeah. And um, so then you got one year left. Yeah. But your team changes a lot between 2015, 2016. And then spring of 2016. Yeah. With the. <laughs> yeah. What happens then? Uh, well, Anthony Vecino. Oh, yeah. Well, you're, he, well, he, can't, he can't race. Yeah. Which. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. I've forgotten about that. So you're going into the year thinking you and Anthony. Yeah, we can. Two have... top riders of the track. Right. You've developed enough where. And Anthony was a legit road cyclist as well as mm. Mopper. We lose Mopper, but we have bring back two of the top ten in ITTs. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, we recruit some guys, and we we have a shot again. Like, with two of the top ten, it, even if there's no depth, you're like, at least you have that. So, yeah. What's training like for you guys? Like That year I was locked in. Um, I was locked in from, I took my two-week hiatus riders week and uh from junior year and then a week mm-hmm. after and then i was just it was game like so. like what does that mean like you just, uh, there high was high volume a high intensity? yeah i mean there was just uh no lack of focus there was no distractions i was in the summer it was nothing i mean i stopped drinking pop and then i stopped drinking alcohol and for adult that was pretty impressive at that time oh <laughs> um, and then with that in the summer, I remember just hearing about BKB's little 100-day uh, streak. I shouldn't say little, but – and streaks aren't even that big of a deal. But I remember I that was one of my mental edges. I went 101, and um, I'm sure they did more. But that was just to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And then 100, – 101 days of consecutive riding? Of consecutive riding, which, I mean, it's probably not physically uh, – it's not – the best thing you right. rest days are a good thing um and I took my rest days after that but that was just to get me through the summer because I knew a streak would keep me motivated in the mm-hmm. times that are farthest away from the race so mm-hmm. um and then get to campus you know you guys have a pretty intense training room there at the dance yeah. house so mm-hmm. you guys is down in the training room is um so those were when the is it bakehouse rides uh were a thing mm-hmm. and I remember just getting pummeled by Knapp and Atwell and just redlining 25 miles away from Bloomington and just eating it up like I'm this is it I was mm-hmm. I and we invested in two hypoxic tents because we knew RJ did that so mm-hmm. <laughs> I one of the mindsets was if you are crazy enough to sleep in a tent then you better be doing everything else right like why would you do that if you're That's not gonna it. cut all the other little things out so it wasn't even yes we saw physical benefit from that but we also thought mentally it kept our focus mm-hmm. so. and what was was your entire team on board with that or was, are you kind of out there leading the way uh yeah anthony and i are pretty on board i was a a bit annoying to our team <laughs> so i was the talker and anthony did not want to talk that much so it was kind of a good di- <laughs> it was a funny dynamic so um 
But yeah, and then we recruited some guys that they were first year riders. They'd never seen the race, which is hard to mm. train when you don't see or feel the atmosphere. And I think that was kind of me. Um, mm-hmm. And when Anthony went out in the spring, it was like, oh no. <laughs> um, I remember calling Courtney and he said this on the call, I think. He's like, yeah, Tormel called me crying. And I didn't think we had a chance. And then... Um, I remember finishing 17th in Team Pursuit, um, and then we had four guys that barely broke the top 100 in ITTs. But. How, how do you get those other guys that have never seen the race, like, how do you get them up to speed to even the understanding what's going on and figuring yeah. out what role they have? A Lindsey Wilson trip helped, a Louisville trip helped, um, so in the spring, yeah, we ride in the, the Wattage Cottage a lot, but we also... That's the name of the training room? Yeah, Wattage Cottage. And then, but we also race in the spring, and that was just to kind of help them get... Like, if they don't wreck, we have a chance. So mm-hmm. that was the big thing. And then, yeah. And are those guys buying in? Like, they want to do this? Uh, I would say that the buy-in was uh, reluctant at some points. <laughs> um, but the, I just kept preaching to him. Like, when Anthony went out, I was like, guys, if you get me to the last lap, then there's a chance. Like... I mean, teams are better than us, but we're not marked this year, which, I mean, we may have been marked by a few teams, or maybe I was, but that was mm-hmm. the benefit. Yeah. Uh, so what's the send-off for the team, like, that last year? Same hoopla in the house? Like, yeah. Uh, um, I, remember talking to my pres- I remember talking to my president, and I was like, I don't know if we're going to finish first or 15th. Um, but the hoopla was the same because we called second, and, the fraternity doesn't know any better. If we qual uh-huh. second, they think, hey, we got a chance. But, yeah. Because we had a pretty good quals. It was a three-person qual. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Second place is good no matter how many guys. Yeah. Uh, so what's the race strategy like going in the 2016 race? One play, yeah. <laughs> get you to the bike. Yeah. Get you on the bike at the end. Gicker burns. Um, go on marks, and then flies on or that's what we say flies on two of the three i mean it was four teams that mm-hmm. we were paying attention to cutters bkb and sae and i would say mainly sae with joe krahulik that was right if andy krahulik depends like if he's trying to launch from anywhere with 10 laps to go we got to be ready so mm-hmm. yeah. but how are you teaching those young guys like how to get burns how to get gaps I don't know, How to Jim. Ride pack. They had the best day of their life. Because <laughs> they um, really did. Yeah. It was, uh, we, I mean, we preach where, where you're supposed to be, and um, their workload was manageable. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you're only going to be in there for 10 laps or whatever. And that was what it was. Um, Griffin Casey could ride. Um, he, Griffin Casey, Jack Moore, and Lesson Hop were the guys on the team he was a 940 3200 meter guy in high school so i like i trusted uh with other top guys on the bike i trusted that griffin could actually cover something Mm -hmm. if we needed to so so you know courtney says every lap closer to 200 you guys are closer to winning yeah and i forget what point it is that you, you you got the race in the bag you guys feel like once you're on the end, once you're on the bike at the end, you're gonna win the race. Yeah, and I remember feeling pretty good in 2015. Mm-hmm. So 2016 was different because 
2015, when we were up, we were like, oh my gosh, this is close. Like, I could taste it. And then mm-hmm. 2016, it was like, this is each lap, after each lap passes by, like, with, I think we had to cover one move that, yeah, Cutters made a pretty big move with 40 or 35 to go. What was that, Jim? Yeah, I don't remember. But it was, um, I worked together with, or our team worked together with SAE, I think, at the point. Um, but then with 10 laps to go, I got the bike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And what are you thinking every lap? Uh, it is down to four teams about. Yeah, I felt pretty fresh. I mean, the time that I did feel winded was bringing the, the attack back. Um, and then I had been off my legs for, I mean, once I brought the attack back, we were kind of cruising there for like 15 laps, got back on the bike. Mm-hmm. And then main thing was uh, it became four because cutters bridged. And then my main mindset was let's make this as less teams as possible. So, I mean, I'm sure you right. kind of heard the story from Logan or me or I don't know. Well, tell me that story because I know the cutters had trouble doing an exchange. Yeah. And and you know, and we ultimately had to do an exchange off the back and we never caught the group again. Yeah, so... With that race, if you go back, I think Andy Krulik was on the bike. He burns like a half lap burn. Um, and I kind of look at Hartman because I'm like, you can take that if you want, but I'm not going to take that wheel right now. I don't need to. And then Hartman took it, and then I followed in behind Hartman, and then Kuhn was uh, like bridging. Joe Krulik gets on the bike, and at that split second, it would have been a five to six second gap with Joe, ex- Andy exchanging with no gap. And I thought about going then. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that would have been either a good move or a very scary move. I, I trusted my sprint that year than rather than my four lap pacing right. at that time, especially with Joe coming on my heels. So, And then I remember all, all of us bridging, Logan trying to burn once, and I tell Hartman, uh, Cutter's coming around, and then... Hartman would look and then speed up and then it happened the next lap cutters coming around and then Hartman would do exactly yeah and then it became a three person last lap yeah. so or two last two laps that was a good strategy you yeah. just think of that in the moment yeah I mean it was just like something I was like I'm gonna I saw how Logan was hurting a little bit mm-hmm. um and then I just I mean yeah we we were better if Schwedlin or Theory weren't there, <laughs> so yeah. And you're you're using Nick up. You're Nick's, yeah. And, Nick's using extra energy every and time. And Nick's just and he was just yeah, towing yeah. us around. Yeah. So you get to white flag. I think your second wheel, the third wheel. Like, uh, you're, not, you're not in the lead in the white flag. White flag, we come in three wide, three and wide, then okay. uh, Joe's on the inside. Hartman does this nice little swoop in. He always does that little air tuck uh-huh. that whole spring, and that was his big move. Uh, and then Joe, like, soft pedal, or he broke a little bit in the, like, if you watch it a little bit. And then I came up on the outside following Hartman out. Honestly, I, depending on the pace, I was going to go with a lap to go or with 200 to go. Um, and it happened to be 200 just because of the pace of it and where we were. With the three-lap sprint, there's not really a – terrible position going into the first turn mm-hmm. um so i came around swung around and then uh and you you see the pit yeah yeah so, and you're like this is it um 
the main thing is I've seen too many people lose races with celebrating too early or anything like that. So I was just like, get to the line as quick as possible and pedal through the line. So that was what I wanted to do. And so you got open track ahead of you. Yep. Open track ahead of me and my, the cadence was pretty quick. So my bike was a little <laughs> like unsteady and then coming through that turn, I didn't know how big of a gap it was, oh. but then when I finished, yeah. Yeah, nice gap. See the checkered flag? Yeah, like, threw up the, you threw up the, basketball. the basketball. And then I saw RJ Stewart on the fence. He wasn't even in our pit area, mm-hmm. and I pointed to him, really? um, which was cool because RJ won in 2012, and he and Paul Smith were my big mentors there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Then you make it back to the pit. Make it back and, to the pit. And, like, Chaos, yeah. Chaos. <laughs> but uh, Joe Krahulik was there. He came, which... Mm. That shows a lot about Joker Hulick. Yeah, um, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. So I talked with him for, I mean, no one prepares for any of that, you know? So I talked to him before my teammates. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. And then then you go to your teammates, and then when you win them from the backstretch, it takes a while for the interviews to come. Because, <laughs> like, right. everybody's pit on, or pit on the front stretch, usually, so... And the Delts fans are going crazy. Yeah, I remember Gomez saying it's a fratapalooza out there. Or not Gomez, but one of the other announcers. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, you know, is your dad there? He is. Yeah. yeah. Which had to be special. Yeah. For your dad. My dad, my family. Um, I had, like, little nephews at the time, and they were all there. So, And they all got to come to the ground. But, I mean, my dad, he'll cry watching any kind of movie like a chick flick or mm-hmm. even like not a movie that you is worth crying like Hoosiers I don't know <laughs> yeah. so yeah it was fun and you celebrate that night you guys have a good night uh yeah we had a pretty good night I think uh I saw you and you gave me a a little 500 ring and I lost it that night oh I forgot about that and I found it but that's right you yeah did, where'd you lose it I found out today I was a uh, at a friend's house. So, and I, so I, I gave you a little 500 ring to wear. You gave me a little 500 ring to wear. And I have right? really small hands. So like it does, <laughs> not, none of the rings fit. So I put it on and then I wake up the next morning and I was like, where's, where's the ring? Where's the ring? And it was in one of my friend's pockets. I was like, how in the world? Mm. But luckily he had it. That's right. I and then I think you, I said, can I deliver this back to you? And you said... No, I just wear it for the next week or so. I was like, I'm gonna mess this up. <laughs> like, I, but then I realized you have like forty, so <laughs> uh, it's you, just you, a ring. You, it was fun watching you progress. You yeah, know, and you won with style, and you were uh, very modest. And you know, thank it, you. It was a joy to watch all that. Um, what uh, you know, what what did that do for you as a as a person? Coming into IU, learning little, learning little five, being a little five rider, than being a champion. Like, how do you grow as a person through that event? Yeah, uh, I think my freshman year of college was like one of my lowest points because um, mm. I didn't have a, a void, or like I, I had a void in my life. Mm. I needed an ultimate goal in high school. It was two is advance to that state meet as a team, and then to be the graduate at the top of my class. And then when I got to IU, I was like. I mean, what 
what do I do here? I mean, <laughs> I went to IU basketball games, but there was uh, something missing. Yeah. So I just, it taught me a lot about consistency. Mm-hmm. And then always just continual learning, I think is one of the main points that mm-hmm. comes back to. Because I was always learning. I was a sponge with every team. So, and I learned what not to do in certain races and learned how I can lose races and how I can win them. So, yeah. And, you know, little fives in April, graduations in May. Yeah. You're, you graduate. Yeah. You leave town. Yeah. Well, you stay, you actually stay in town, but. Stay. There's got to be a huge, like, void when the. Yeah, when so. The, when the, when the crowds diminish, the well, speakers turned off, the cameras go away. Yeah, Jim, I may have touched on this before, but the, you, I graduate in May. Um, I go on a family vacation with my family to D.C., and then. I get one like a pretty fun job for me. It was a small business in Bloomington. I get to live in the fraternity house by myself that summer, mm. and it was actually the opposite of what happened. I had a, like a phase, and I had a manic phase, and mm. it was pretty scary going into uh, like the summer, July, August, mm-hmm. and then right after that, the depression hit November through February. Mm. So it was delayed, but. Um, Little Five did play a factor into that, and sometimes I think I misunderstood in that summer because of what I was going through, so I hope if I burned any bridges that um, mm-hmm. people can understand where I was actually at at that point, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. yeah. So, what would you tell a, um, a a rookie now that's thinking about joining Little Five? What kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say race as much as possible. I think Han said that as well. Um the racing is, it's fun. It, you can race into shape a little bit, um, especially your first year. And then just be consistent. Um, I see too many teams just mm-hmm. like taking breaks uh, in certain like lull periods and mm-hmm. for training really to work and for Consistency. Like, the training blocks really to build on each other. Uh, just be consistent. And that's with goal prioritization too. So like I don't know, ridden yourself of distractions. I did a lot of things, grayscale my phone, set time limits on my phone, mm-hmm. um, finding where you're wasting time, I guess. So you learned a lot of lessons to apply to today's life? Yeah. What are you doing today? What's got your attention? Where are you living? Yeah, I live in Broad Ripple, Indiana I'm with my girlfriend. We're expecting a child, so that's oh, fun. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, I've been in the running specialty industry for three years, and I absolutely love it. I just switched companies recently from Jackrabbit to Athletic Annex. Mm -hmm. So Bob Kennedy uh, owns Athletic Annex and he was uh, the American record holder at one point in the 5k and an Olympian. IU legend. And an IU legend. A lot of national championships. Yeah. So he's my, yeah, he's the owner of the company I work for, which is pretty fun. Yeah. You still get that team vibe, that, that energy at work. Yeah, I bounced around a, a couple jobs, um, but I'm like out of college, but I'm like where I'm at just because uh, being in a running environment motivates you. Like I like being up. Um, I'm not at a desk and mm-hmm. I get to create community, which that's always a fun, a fun job. So mm-hmm. it reminds me of Little Five. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect amount of fun I mean, and play. So. And you're still involved in Little Five. Yes. Yeah. And what's your role? What are you doing these days? 
uh, last year I was coaching Delta Zeta, but Delta Zeta doesn't have a team this year. And then this year I'm uh, pretty close with the Jet Black team mm-hmm. and then uh, around quite a bit for that. So that was fun. What's the status of the Delts? Uh, that's a good point. Because they're not on campus right now. Not right now. I'm actually uh, not the person to ask for that. I think Rob Hudson might be the person to ask. Uh, but we might be back in the next couple of years. I think 2022 was one of the... That's soon. Yeah. So it might be in the... I, I don't know, though. So I just know that I like the Jet Black team and the program that we have right now. So mm-hmm. yeah. But you're a Delts at heart. Yeah, I mean... I'm this program at heart. Okay, so you look at Jet yeah. Black. It's yeah, that. and whatever happens after that happens, but right now I'm just living in the moment, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Anything else? Like, like tell me... Uh, you had a question. Um, you've had a lot of these. What similarities, good or bad, do you see in your interviews from all the people that you've interviewed so far? Because there's a certain type of... I think there's personality type that you're interviewing right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so most people join Little Five without any cycling experience. Right. And the people who get good at Little Five are people that are proactive. Mm-hmm. So if you're proactive in Little Five, so if you don't wait around for people to tell you what to do, if you learn the race, if you do the training on your own, mm-hmm. you know, if you study it, you have a chance to be uh, certainly your best. Yeah. You know, you need some physiology in there. But hard work and proactiveness will get people to the to being an elite little five rider. Yeah. And then sometimes you need some serendipity and you need and the race has to come to you. Yeah. But you know, plenty of greats have not won the race. But yeah. But I think proactive being proactive um, pays a lot. Mm-hmm. And consistency, which is part of pro- being proactive. Yeah, I think the learning. I, I mean, listen to Hans on the way up here, and him just talking about what he took from every race. Mm-hmm. I think that was a a main thing that I could relate to. Every race, every lap's a lesson. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and you also have to uh, put as much weight on the cheers and the boos. Yeah. So go right down the middle because people are going to tell you great and people are going to tell you suck. Right. So don't listen to either of those. And just trust yourself. And that's why Trust your program, trust your teammates, <laughs> trust your coaches, and you know, then good things can happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think what you just said about people telling you you're great or you suck, I think race director is one of the hardest jobs. <laughs> like, <laughs> no matter who you are, mm-hmm. no, whatever you do, you're going to get flack and you're going to get praise but it takes a special person to be able to handle that so yeah well you're dealing with a bunch of somewhat immature yeah college kids and then coaches that have been around for a long time and Mm -hmm. so yeah it's worth it though you know it's an intramural event yeah which is funny to think about yeah you showed me that or you posted that picture 32,000 from 89 Was that the record? Yes. That was crazy. Isn't that crazy? That was, I mean, I talked with, I had a friend from Seymour that ran cross country at IU. He much better athlete than me. And I said, I was like, I just felt bad for him. Because like, Big Ten Championships, 
or a little 500, what would I rather go do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's like, unlike anything else. So. It's a cool event, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we, have to, we have to actually, I think, work hard to keep it around. Yeah. Because you know, uh, things die off. Yeah. Th- things change. Things go away. So it's up to all of us to kind of respect the events and put the energy into it and help the university keep it going. But it gave me, it gave us so much. <laughs> so you kind of, I, I feel like an obligation almost. Mm-hmm. And there's always excitement. Like I don't feel like it's a chore mm-hmm. to always come back. So. Well, you always make time for the things you value in life. Yeah. So that's obvious for me that you valued Little Five. Yeah. And you, you probably got more out of it than, uh, I mean, you probably gave more than you got out of it. Actually, you put a lot into it and you've, coached a lot of people since then and yeah you're always open with advice mm-hmm. like uh you're always willing to help other people but that was like you at the track too yeah, yeah. well yeah <laughs> let's keep it going yeah all right well thank you for your time yeah for sure thanks for having it me it was Jeff. an honor to talk to a legend of little five <laughs> someone who really put the time and love into it and was able to manifest a victory yeah well thanks jim all right thank you man Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again, Luke, for your time. It really was strange interviewing you in person. It's not over the phone. It took me a while to get used to it. But I appreciate uh, sharing all those wonderful stories with me and everyone on the Trophy Dash podcast. Thank you. Thank you.